Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, everyone. I'm John Verhoeven, and I was a cop back in Sydney in the 80s. And I'm Paul Verhoeven, John's son. I'm an author, and I wrote two books about Dad's time as a cop. The first five seasons of Loose Units spanned my time in general duties, forensics, my time as a firefighter, and even my stint running a funeral home. But this season, we're visiting the locations of Australia's most notorious, baffling, horrific crimes, and looking at what happened there. From Snowtown to the family, from the Morehouse murders to haunted highways, This season of Loose Units is your go-to guide to the worst crimes in Australian true crime history. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Now, Dad, when we were touring last, which is a couple of years ago, uh, we were in Brisbane and we were driving towards the venue for, I believe, the second show. Mm. And our Uber driver revealed that actually Uber driving was just a side job. His main job was working in an abattoir. Yep. And you thought it would be wise to bring up the fact that, oh, you know, it's a pretty interesting um, correlation between people who work at abattoirs and potential murders. And uh, he started talking about some pretty weird stuff. We got Mm. to the live show. You told this to the audience. They all thought it was super creepy. And it it became an interesting thought exercise for us. What, What if we were being driven around by someone who worked in a slaughterhouse and was a murderer and it was... You know, sort of a side hustle for them. So when I sent you the file for someone called Catherine Mary Knight, an Australian murderer who's... I, It's tricky because I wouldn't say... She, she's not a serial killer, but her one murder is... It's the worst thing I've ever read. Mm. I can hear Paul. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you said serial. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a bit Re- of a tease. Oh, okay. Mm. Look, if you haven't heard of Catherine Knight, um, you've probably lucked out. She was born in New South Wales back in uh, 1955, and she's currently in prison at the Clarence Correctional Centre. As for why she's there, the reasons are pretty valid. They're terrible, Paul. Uh, Dad, you've dealt with a whole bunch of really horrifying graphic stuff. You've, You've been involved firsthand in stories that just make me physically ill, but... I, I don't think it's unfair to say that this is the worst thing okay. I've ever heard. Okay. I've been... I'm excited to say something that I'm about to say. Okay. Mainly, not so much to you, but to our wonderful listeners. Okay? They, yes, they are wonderful. Uh, you've got no idea what I'm about to say, do you? It could be anything. I mean, you're could a bit of a live wire, but yes, please. But please. Um, listeners, I wish to share something with all of you. Obviously, it's all of you because you're all listening. Yeah. That is that sweet, dear, lovely, just, I don't even know how to describe Paul, but he's just a top guy. Over the last few weeks, <clears throat> he's been saying to me, look, Dad, do you think we can go easy on the, the murders? Let, let's just kind of back off a little bit. 
And I thought, okay, but our listeners really like to hear, you know, some pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. Then you give me this lady's name, Paul. Did that not strike you as being... I had this this discussion with Christine, mm. a.k.a. your mother. Yeah. We, we, we laughed, belly laughed, because there you were sort of wanting us to sort of steer away from murder and all the bad stuff. I, I thought it was actually getting to you. And then you come up with this story. I, I, I start to do my research, and I'm putting it on the record. It is the worst story. And I think we need some serious, serious warnings before people continue listening. Yeah. Because it covers murder, cannibalism, incest, and everything that is fucked in this world of crime. Yep. All it's in a, one. It's just, it's terrible, Paul. Mm-hmm, so can mm-hmm. you explain to, to the listeners and me why you kind of chose this topic? Yeah. So I've been trying to steer towards, you know, I want to say fun crimes like heists and stuff mm. like that. I yep. just find them interesting. I, I've i said this before. I love a crime where no one gets hurt. I know that's stupid, but I just find them, all, if they're done well and if they're told properly, they're almost romantic, right? Mm. But the fact is, true crime devotees really want the dark stuff. And I've been pushing it back against this lately, not because I don't think it's important to talk about, but because after spending, you know, over four weeks talking about Ivan Milat's crimes and severed spinal columns and whatnot, I just, I'd reached a bit of a, you know, I'd reached maximum occupancy in my brain for horror. And I was perusing cases to provide Dad with a bit of a prompt for us to kind of investigate and talk about something on the Shadow Files. And I came across this case and it was so bonkers that I thought, look, it, it has to be the exception. Also, it's not a long case. Right, mm. and it, it was important to me that if we're going to deal with something horrifying, it has to be one, one and done, basically. Mm. Mm. So that's why, Dan. I, I cool. think you'll agree that it is interesting enough to warrant an uh, an amnesty. I my... think it's interesting enough to warrant a movie. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, some googling revealed that back that I think they were meant to make a film. I'm not sure whether they actually made it, but uh, if I look up Catherine Knight movie, uh, I don't know whether they. I, know I think it was going to be called The Speckled Hen. Did really? you know that? No. Yeah, because if you look at her face, and Catherine, I don't know whether you're listening. Do you think they can listen? I've, I've been thinking about this. I'm not sure whether... I mean, obviously, you couldn't be using a mobile phone inside a jail, could you? No, no. But do they have access to computers? Uh, or... Yeah, I'm, I'm get, Dad, I'm guessing there's some sort of internet cafe sitch. But back in 2016 in the ABC, uh, there was an article titled Hollywood Deals Bring Story of Gruesome Hunter Valley Murder to the Screen. And yeah, there were a couple of guys who uh, were in the process of securing cast. And um, it was a small production company looking for talent to involve as well as a director. I haven't heard anything about it since then. But regardless of whether it should be made into a film or not, I would like you to just plow on in and mm. please let our listeners know... Uh, look, how would you begin this story? Uh, do you want to start with Catherine herself? What kind of mm. a person was she? Well, I would like to discuss firstly, yeah. and caveat here, and listeners know how I feel about people's backgrounds, but it can't be ignored. And when one goes to court, and if you are a a defence 
you know, working for your client who has committed various crimes mm-hmm. on all levels of the spectrum, one's background, one's antecedents, as they're called, has to come into play. It's fair and only fair that the presiding judge or magistrate gets a sense of the person, how they came to be in the dock on this particular point in time. What is the backstory? And Catherine's backstory is fairly atypical, but this is sort of at the worst end of the atypical spectrum Mm. of a terrible and depraved, violent and sexually fucked up childhood. So Catherine's mother, she was, her mother's name was Barbara Rowan and she was married to a guy called Jack and they lived in a small town up in the Hunter Valley, which for those people that don't know that region, particularly our overseas listeners, it's in the Hunter Valley, which is one of our great wine growing areas. It's just beautiful. So the parents had four sons, then they had twin girls, and Catherine was one of the twins. But this is when it starts to get creepy. Now, I'm not going to hold back because it's so... It's interesting in a weird way. It's fucking very disturbing. Um, But Catherine's father was a violent alcoholic. Now, he would rape... The mother, and this sounds almost implausible, but I've, I've read it in so many sources, including transcripts and psychiatric reports. So let's just go as it being fact. But the word is that the mother was raped up to 10 times a day. But then if that's not bad enough, listeners, the mother who had been raped by the father, her husband, would then gather the daughters around, of which Catherine was one of the daughters, and the mother would then describe the intimate details of her sex life, including the rapes. Now, that's telling young girls about the terrible, terrible things that were happening to her at a very deep sexual level, and sort of woven throughout this conversation with her two daughters was the fact that she actually hated having sex with men. And then, so as if this isn't bad enough, listeners, then what happens is that Catherine, when she was about four years of age, between the ages of four and 11, she was then being molested and groomed by numerous male members of her family and relatives. And then when Catherine goes to her mother, Barbara, and says, look, this is what's happening to me, bearing in mind she's a young girl, the mother says, just put up with it and stop complaining. Now, at this juncture in this story, I already feel that this is fucked up. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, um, they often say that people who inflict the worst violence on others are those who've had it happen to them. Um, mm. I mean, yeah. look, 
what kind of a person did she end up as a result? Flash forward to her as an adult. What kind of a person was she? Well... Before, before these crimes, I mean. Okay, okay. But Paul, <clears throat> look, she... There are many reports also from her time in high school where she was a bully. Okay. And she used to bash kids. She assaulted teachers. She stabbed people at school. It's the, There's a litany of terrible, terrible things. But then eventually when she, when she you know leave school she was completely illiterate and she managed to get a job in like as a cutter in a clothing factory but 12 months later she gets a job and and this is it this is a quote from her she says that she got her dream job which was it was a very lowly job starting out in a local abattoir just cutting out the offal of, of you know dead animals but she was very. She showed aptitude, and you have to give her credit for that. And she was quickly promoted to the boning section. And it's at that point, and she would have been about sixteen years of age, listeners, that she was given her first set of butcher's knives. She was so excited and enthralled, and took her job so seriously, as did, by the way, Paul, that person, that Uber driver that day, which yes. was quite frankly, I'm surprised we I. On the way to that, I thought, are we actually going to get to the show? And I'm not kidding. Yeah. Um, but she actually hung her set of boning knives over her bed, above her where she slept. Right. And she had this thing that she felt that they'd just be handy if they were within close reach if ever she required you know, to use the boning knives while she's in her bedroom. Right. Which is actually pretty weird, but pretty stressful. Prophetic, prophetic mm-hmm. words. Okay. Her first husband was named David Kellett. Now he is an interesting guy. He he was there's there's a theme. Her father was an alcoholic, and a lot of her partners had serious drinking problems. But it's weird how one tends to be drawn into this almost sort of history of repeating itself this cyclical thing yeah and i think as parents i think if you've had a traumatic upbringing i think it's if you can it's always good to be aware of your background but try and draw a line in the sand yeah and just sort of say okay that's enough's enough it's time not let instead hi- of, yeah not let history repeat itself basically. that's right that's right yeah. but her first husband had been a shunter you remember we've had these discussions paul about when when they bring the two trains together yep Yep. and he witnessed one of his best friends in coffs harbour in they were shunting down on the rail sort of rail tracks and his one of his really good mates got caught between two trains right and he died and then and again we're not making excuses we're just giving the, the listeners a bit of history he then there was a terrible school uh, bus accident in Kempsey where the school bus was hit by a train and it killed six children. But he was one of the first guys there, and he was you know there helping and at the scene. And so you can imagine the terrible traumatic things he saw. He became an alcoholic. He ended up working at the Aberdeen Abattoir, and he met. Um, he, yeah, he ended up meeting uh, the the woman we're talking about, Catherine. Yeah, yeah, and um, they. I just have to relate this to you all because it's so bizarre, but Catherine asked him to marry her 
and he kind of really liked her because he got involved in a lot of fist fights in the town. But one thing he really liked about Catherine was that she'd get in and and bash people as well. And he, he thought, thought that was pretty cool. Right. She asks him to, to marry her. And on the day of the wedding, she is the rider of a motorbike. They rock up to the church. He's on the back of the bike, pissed as a fart. He's maggoted. And Catherine's mother says to the intoxicated David on the day of the wedding, and this is a quote from him. She said to him on the day, and bearing in mind, she's, he's about to marry her daughter. She says, you better watch this one as she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing up on her. She'll fucking kill you. Now, that was the mother talking to the groom on the day of the wedding. And then what happened was on the very first night... Husband number one, she, after they'd had sex three times, then he fell asleep. That's pretty good going, I think, on a wedding night, three times. She wanted a fourth time. He sort of said, look, enough's enough. And he, he she, she starts to strangle him. So on the first night, she's trying to strangle him, which is kind of a, an indicator to me that perhaps this is not such a great start to a marriage. But it went on for some years and it's it just was one of those sort of very violent, aggressive, you know, relationships. And she, the mother, did some incredibly weird things. She gave birth to their first child and what happened was the mother, Catherine, she, you know, her first husband he he had to escape he goes to queensland but she was so distressed and there are people talking in transcripts that she was seen pushing her pram violently down the main street and she was admitted to a um you know a mental institution for postnatal depression and then she gets out and then what she does she's so upset so distressed about her first husband leaving her that she gets the two-month-old baby paul have do you know anything about this no and she takes it to the local railway station and she puts it on the railway tracks okay she then goes into town with an axe and she threatens to kill people and there was a vagrant called old ted and he was foraging near the railway lines and he finds the two-month-old baby and a few minutes later, the train passes by. I mean, this is just so insane. And it just keeps going on and on and on. And eventually she meets another guy called David Saunders. Same thing. He's a miner in the town. Um, everything's going well. But then there's this sort of violent, tumultuous relationship. And then eventually she assaults him with an iron. She stabs him in the abdomen with scissors. It just keeps going on and on and on. And then there are other people involved, but ultimately we're all here today to talk about John Price. And he was the father of three children. And by all accounts from the local town, he was a really, really, a really, really nice person. He worked in the mines. He earned a very, very good salary. Mm -hmm. But he, she was so jealous and then, 
she wanted to marry Price, but he just said no. And that was the, the straw that broke her back. And then in February of 2000, after a series of assaults, she actually stabbed him in the chest and he was so sort of distressed that he went to the the scone that's a town up in the hunter and he he goes to the magistrate's court on his way home and he takes out a restraining order okay and that's to protect him and his children that day that very fateful day and this is all from the court transcript price actually said to his fellow workers and this is very very chilling listeners he said if i don't come to work if there's any time where I just... Because he was a very, very sort of punctual, reliable worker. He said, if I don't go to work, something's happened to me. And sure enough, he didn't come to work one day. And his co-workers go round to the house and his car is still parked in the driveway and they approach this house and there's a bit of blood on the door and they're, they're, they're knocking ferociously and then they call the police and the police come around to the house they kick in the back door and what they I'm, I'm just trying to imagine these it would have been two constables you know general duties country town i don't know how how long these two police have been in the job but you know it could have been a constable and a probationary constable just just a general sort of you know routine check on welfare they go into the house and would you like me to describe what they saw let's cast our minds back to the your incredible story about a speedy death the lady in the bathtub yep and the kids came round for a sunday dinner okay yep. that, that's all we'll say about that yep but so on this particular occasion let me just say to you and the listeners that there's a very strong in fact I'm 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 going to say this very very directly that there definitely would have been the smell of of dinner cooking that's that's a, that's a definite yeah so they would have they would have kicked the door and they would have smelled perhaps something quite nice like a stew uh, cooking come emanating from the kitchen they come into the house they see uh golly i'm just trying to think about just trying to sort of having been in these situations you know the police are very very okay look they're sort of the because of something because they can smell food cooking it may have sort of maybe sort of lowered their adrenaline levels but they're still in someone's house there there's a possibility that something's not quite right there is blood on the front door um you know they kind of they're very they're being they in my opinion they would have had their guns drawn mm-hmm. uh and it's not night time so there's natural light coming in through through windows even if curtains were sort of were, were you know closed whatever there's still there'd be some natural lighting they're not familiar with the place so they're kind of get getting a sense it would not be a, a big house probably timber floor walking through trying to be quiet and it's a two-story place and in the lounge room they see Catherine Knight she's comatose unconscious so I guess from first 
inspection first first sort of upon seeing her firstly you may even consider that she's deceased and why i say that is that she is lying next to a person who we now know is john price okay mid-30s and a couple of things about him that are slightly unusual i think the listeners will begin to sort of get a sense that perhaps this scene was slightly bizarre in that, firstly, the body was headless. Uh, so that's kind of a giveaway that perhaps he's he's dead. You've, um, seen headless, you've seen headless bodies before. I've seen heaps of headless bodies. I've seen lots of heads with no bodies. Yeah. I've seen lots and lots of bad shit. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So, woman, possibly deceased, absolutely, utterly unconscious. Next to a headless body. But not only a headless body, this is a body that, okay, the head's not there, but he's also been skinned, okay? Now, skinning, what does that entail? So, Uh, she's she's a... Sorry. No, no. I was going to say. So, if she, look, she works as a uh, how skinned. Uh, mm. She works at an abattoir. Yeah. So I'm guessing there's a degree of skill involved oh, here. Oh, mate. She's she's a she's she's good on the boning knife. Right. She she knows how to handle knives. And skinning is an art. It's an art. I mean, it's it's hard enough to skin an animal that's got fur. Yeah. It's an art because even skinning a fish. I mean, it's it's bloody amazing how it's done. You know, you it takes years of practice. Now to skin, she had to sort of transpose her 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 abattoir skills of skinning, you know, sheep, cows, pigs, to to a human. And I guess of those three animals that I just mentioned, the pig's definitely the closest to the human. So because the human doesn't have a lot of hair on it, although some people are quite hairy, I'm not. So she. Skins sections of his body 
she's got a meat hook above a door, the doorway, and she's she has a fixed um, a kind of like you know beef jerky. You've had beef jerky, unfortunately, yes. Mm. So imagine just having strips of meat. Now with jerky, of course, you you hang it out. And it air dries and it kind of becomes shriveled up. And God, I can't imagine a beef jerky company ever wanting to advertise with us. But, you know, so I actually still really like beef jerky. Um, God. Oh, God. So she's got all this sort of these straps of, of like, you know, uh, human flesh uh, hanging from the door. Mm-hmm. And so the poor police, they're kind of, trying to sort of process what they're seeing, it'd be totally fucked up. Um, I don't know whether she'd done a good job on removing the head. It's pretty full on moving a head, I imagine, because you've got the spine to get through too. Uh, although, again, she'd be pretty good at that. Okay, so that's all pretty bad. I think we'll agree, but it gets worse. Now, listeners, you're thinking, okay, John's telling us this terrible story. Uh It's really bad, but it gets worse. Because when they go into the kitchen, that beautiful smell emanating from the kitchen, they look over to the stove, and the stove, or the hot plate, is on. It is in a cooking mode. And they approach the saucepan, which would have been a decent size, I imagine... And the reason I say decent size is that inside the saucepan, cooking was uh, John Price's head. Uh, So, but I need to read to you all what was in the head. not, not Not what was in the head, but what was with the head. Okay? Okay. And it's 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 interesting. And you have to give her some credit because I think her choice of vegetables was fucking pretty spot on. I mean, what would you put with the head? Hang on, hang on. Are you saying she stuffed the head like she no, prepped it? No, she didn't prep it. I don't know whether she really... But I don't know whether she put like a potato in the guy's mouth. But in the pot, because all, all the contents obviously would have been forensically examined, obviously. Yeah. So that yeah. she had baked potatoes. She had pumpkin beetroot that's pretty pretty cool zucchini how do you know how do you know what what was in the pot with the head because it's they've analyzed it and i've done my research oh god and then there was also cabbage which can give you wind stop 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 stop, stop. and yellow squash and gravy now that's that's pretty good that those ingredients together with the head are you know that's 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 making a meal of it okay but but it gets worse listeners continues to get worse because what the police then saw she'd set the table the dinner table and there were two settings for the soup soup du jour well it's not really soup is it what would you call it a potage or a a stew okay but here's something it's kind of this shows a little bit of finesse considering she's illiterate I don't know how she did this, but she actually put notes with the names of the two children of John Price 
and she put notes next to each plate, like place settings. So they'd come home, and she, and this is kind of a sweet touch, she'd actually made dinner for the kids. Isn't that lovely? She was going to feed. She was going to feed their dad to them. To them, yeah. But in the backyard, they found the remnants of a third meal, and it turns out that our lovely lady, she'd actually sat down to her own meal of the husband's head, and also, to be fair some of the the straps of meat that she'd added. So she sat down to eat her, partake of the last meal um, of, her, of her, her partner, John Price. And I think it's... Um, so the police have got all this to deal with, but not only that, everyone, she also defiled the body. Now, as if cutting the head off and, and skinning them isn't defilement, she also put the body in a really, really weird sort of kind of strange sort of... sort of She, she sort of, after he was dead, um, she sort of twisted his legs around, sort of bent them and put one hand draping over a, a bottle of sort of soft drink and apparently that was all to demonstrate her contempt for Price. And there was a note on the fridge. Now, we all... I mean, people leave, leave weird things on fridges, don't they? You know how you go into some house and they've got photographs on their fridges? So what did she put on the fridge? Well, she had a photograph of him, mm-hmm. but it was covered with small pieces of his flesh on the photo. So she really... Didn't was- like him. Uh, now, I heard there was something to do with the buttocks. Um, well, the buttocks, if you think about, and I don't want to get weird and creepy as if we haven't already gone plummeted yeah, the depths of everything. You've crossed but, that line. Yes. But I think if you, if I was a cannibal, mm-hmm. um, I'd probably go for the buttocks because they're just, they're, you know, haven't been exposed to the sun. They're soft and... <laughs> fuck. Right, Dad, just to get into specifics, I'll read what the uh, the article from the ABC laid out in terms of facts. Mm. The Supreme Court sentencing judge Barry O'Keefe found that once he was dead, Mr. Price's body was moved and defiled. And this is a quote from Justice O'Keefe. After he had been dead for some time, his body was dragged by the prisoner from the hallway into the lounge room and thereafter the prisoner skinned Mr. Price's body. This was carried out with considerable expertise and an obviously steady hand so that his skin, including that of the face, head, nose, ears, neck, torso, genital organs, and legs was removed to form one pelt. So expertly was it done that after the post-mortem examination, the skin was able to be re-sewn onto Mr. Price's body in a way which indicated a clear and appropriate, albeit grisly, methodology. At some point after Mr. Price had been skinned, the prisoner hung his pelt on a meat hook on the architrave of the door in the lounge room where it remained until it was later removed by investigating police. Not only was Mr. Price's head removed, but parts of his buttocks were also sliced off. The excised parts of Mr. Price were then taken by the prisoner to the kitchen, and at some stage after she had peeled and prepared various vegetables, she cooked Mr. Price's head in a large pot to produce a sickening stew. Then she baked other parts in the oven. When you said she was kind of comatose, 
was she drunk? Had she taken something? Mm. Or was sleeping the... tablets? She'd taken a lot of medication. She it was she clearly um, tried to take her own life. Okay, um, but she didn't. She didn't this survive. Is the... She did survive. This is this is very this is very bad. Um, how do you even begin to charge a person like that? What do you charge them with? Because when you're going through the crime scene, there's no. There's no, there's nothing subjective about this. It's very clear what's happened. <clears throat> yes, but her her defence, of course, right. is that she has no recollection. Right. And that 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 is a defence. Um, but she was found to be sane by two psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you recall we mentioned the the note with all the bits of skin sticking to it. Uh, mm-hmm. She actually had managed to write something. This note that was on the fridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually next to a photograph of Price, and. She basically says that it's um, time you got back, uh, and she calls him Jonathan, for raping my daughter. And you also raped, so raped her daughter, but she also said that, uh, inferred that he'd raped her own daughter and also had been playing with little Johnny's dick. So she's kind of sort of justifying this, this, terminal hatred of him did he do this stuff no it was completely the accusations in the note were found to be 100 percent groundless okay so she is arrested um you know taken into custody bail refused and she enters a plea of not guilty and the trial was so heavy duty that they impaneled they had 60 jury prospects and but they had so many mm. because they knew that a lot of them would just fall by the wayside and when the judge discussed the nature of the photographic evidence five of the the jury just said we just we just can't do this and people yeah. were dropping dropping off like it was going out of style and it's very interesting because when they decided to get medical evidence admitted as to the... the Because obviously in court they need to go through... I mean, we're talking to our, our lovely listeners and discussing, and you discussed in some detail, as did I, about you know what what she did to his body and, and the prep, food preparation, etc. But can you imagine being in court with the photographs, getting the absolute... You know, with forensic experts, doctors explaining in terrible detail, and it was so distressing... It's so distressing, listeners, in this trial that her defence counsel asked that during the description of what she had supposedly done to Mr Price, her defence counsel asked that she be excused because it was so distressing. Now, think about what I just said, to which the judge said, judge said no, no, she has to listen. When they dis- started to describe the injury, she, apparently she became uncontrollably kind of just laughing and and she had to be sedated in court so we're talking something even though she was found to be 100% sane yeah <clears throat> to this day and she's still in custody she has never ever accepted or admitted to what happened she believes that um she you know, she's this complete disassociation. And as a footnote to this particular story, when she was being raped and, and abused in her early years prior to the age of 11, 
by all and sundry, all the relatives, just it's just a just a shitstorm. She had one relative that she really, really loved. He was an uncle and he was he was a really, really good person. He was a champion horseman. This is just an aside to this story and it's kind of a little bit poignant and mm-hmm. what happened was he was her uncle he, he was she felt safe with him and in nineteen sixty nine he committed suicide. And to this very day, listeners, she has stated that he still visits her. The ghost of him, which is fascinating. She's crazy. Well, it's, it's, it's an extraordinary story. I'm glad, Paul, that you wanted to go down the path of something lighter than our usual stuff. I'm sorry. Um, and it's, but it's something... I, I, I worry a little bit. I mean, I can watch a sad film and genuinely tear up. Yeah. I, I, I do that. I am a very, very sensitive person. But this story, weirdly, it seems so implausible and so bizarre and horrific that I don't know whether I'm toughening up about... But this story kind of... Yeah, it's sort of... It's, 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 it's rattled me um, in a weird way. It's a little upsetting. Um, I'm looking at photos of the house in which the murders were committed. It is the most ordinary-looking house. Hmm. Now, we've t- we talk all the time about, you know, a place is just a place, you know, things happen, blah, 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 blah. Of the, course, answer, the answer to your question is I would not buy that house. No, nor would I. I, I, I can't look at a door architrave knowing that there was a skinned human hanging from yep. it. Couldn't agree more. I, I just think it should be bulldozed. Yeah, I agree. And the grounds should be made public property and they should put a park there and just completely reset the place because that is that is the worst thing I've ever heard in terms of a crime. I d- How many things like this happen and we don't hear about them? How many things like this happen and, the, and it's just a one-off, it's a one-off terrible crime and the cops go, you know what, no one needs to know about this. I mean, how, does that happen at all? Mm, rarely, but what does concern me... Yeah is the number of terrible things that are happening as we do this podcast. Oh, there we go. That's a fact. Yep. Good luck sleeping Statistically, just, just mathematically. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you introduce... Uh, there are statistics. You can do... Mm. Everything can be calculated mathematically, yeah. no matter how weird or bizarre. Uh, like when we do the live shows and someone... We got onto that topic about, is it possible that there's someone in this room mm-hmm. who's committed some... And of course, obviously... You're going to have that uh, same chat with our audiences for our two live shows coming. I up, am. Oh, fuck. I, yeah. I just can't wait. Yeah. Because um, to be in front of the crowd, actually, because then people really get the sense and they get to see us together. Yeah. They get to see your zany, wacky shirts. They are zany. And wacky. Yep. Well, thank you so much for listening to another absolute... I'm genuinely upset by today's episode. I know we put a warning at the start, but listen, if you struggle with this stuff, we, we, we are not going to get this dark again for a while. I promise we're going to have more heists and whatnot. And rest assured, there's a lot of people probably um, sitting here thinking uh, certain countries have worse killers. I think the past few stories we've looked at, the past few cases on the Shadow Files have proven that Australia can keep up with the worst of the worst, unfortunately. It's mm. very sad. but uh, That's one terrible competition. 
Yep, nobody wins that competition. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Don't forget to head across to facebook.com forward slash loose units. Join our uh, secret discussion page on Facebook. It's where all the cool people hang out. Grab a copy of Electric Blue or Loose Units in bookstores now. Uh, Book tickets for our live shows in Sydney in early December. You can go to comedyrepublic.com.au and grab your tickets. And I promise our onstage show will be a lot lighter than this one Mm. because this was, this is a, intense case and we are um we are glad to see the back of it thank you for listening everyone have a great week and we will see you at the end of the week for loose units loose ends bye-bye cheerio hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.